This week on Bloodstream, Patrick's back. I am back. I'm here. Normal chair, normal mic, ready to go. We have a great show for you today. Resources for the ultra-rare bleeding disorder community and the connection between diet and your joint health. Wait a minute. Diet and joint health have something to do with each other? Aw, shucks. And then we'll have community member Kevin Lurquin here to discuss with us how he overcame his mobility issues. I want to really just, you know, make up for lost time and then just continue to see what I can what I can achieve. And, you know, it's like, okay, I did these Spartan races. Now what's next? You know, how much further can I go? Hi, all. I'm your host, Patrick James Lynch. And I am your other host, Amy Board. Reminder that Amy and I are podcasters. Not doctors. Not yet, anyway. Or ever, Patrick. Never. We'll never you be doctors, you and I. No, no, no. No, we have no, theater no. Degrees. I can be a doctor. Theater degrees. Theater degrees. We have theater degrees. But speak to a doctor before making any healthcare decisions. I feel so boxed in. Remember that you can watch Bloodstream on our Bloodstream Media YouTube channel. You can subscribe to Bloodstream on Apple Pods or stream episodes directly from bloodstreammedia.com. Thanks for listening. Rate, review, and tell a friend. And hey, welcome to Bloodstream. Welcome back. How goes fatherhood? <laughs> you've come uh, you've come to us changed, literally changed. I, I mean, yes, that is true. It's funny you say that because there are those moments where I'm like, all right, I had a baby, so like if I'm different when I come back, people will be okay with that. I've had this thought before, like when I got married, when I've moved, been like, all right, this is an opportunity for like me to decide, like I do this now, or I'm this person now, or like such juvenile thinking about how change occurs. But, uh, but I, but yes, life's very different. There's literally a screaming baby that I can hear on the other side of this door, although she's with her mom, so I'm not concerned about it. Um, but it's been wild. It's been, I mean, what's cool now is we're here, right? We're doing this. I'm doing the normal stuff. Yeah that yeah. I'm used to doing and figuring out how that intersects with fatherhood. Fatherhood doesn't just feel like this sort of um, cool little special event that gets a window of time to be novel and then we move on. It's like, no, no, no. Now it's integrated into the remainder of my existence on the planet. So yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. happy to be at that part where I can kind of feel out like what this is going to feel like going forward. Right. I have to check in about the episode last week. What was that like for you and Natalie? You shared the birth story and Vivian's story. Yeah. It was it was emotional. I know it was um, richly received, but from your viewpoint, I mean, how, mm. how have you and Natalie been doing? What was the response? How's it been? Uh, you know, it's funny. You had a disclaimer about, you know, uh, give them a minute to get back to messages if you have a personal connection. And I remember when I heard that and read it at first, I was like, I don't know if we need to say that. That seems sort of unnecessary, but I just let it go. I don't know. If we hadn't said that, um, there's been a lot of messages. This has reached a lot of people. Mm. Um, this has been shared by people who aren't typically, you know, sharing a bleeding disorders podcast. There's a lot of other networks have tapped in. I've heard from people I haven't heard from in a decade who are sharing really intimate details of their birth story, who are sharing resources, birth trauma, people they've spoken to. Um, it was. It's been very overwhelming in some degree i haven't read all the messages to be honest because some of them like even just seeing the first sentence i'm like oh that's heavy i, ca I can't right now so there's like a few waiting in the unread mm. stage don't take it personal <laughs> it's yours um just having to like pace pace it all but it's been really nice like we've said to each other natalie and i many times how um grateful we are that we did that because it's been it's felt like okay, the story's out there. Anyone who wants to know who's in the family and feels like they need to know for our own purposes, like that, that's now mm -hmm. done. And any other way we want to mm -hmm. process or communicate about this, fine. But this piece of it is done. Though The last thing I will say, which um, I kind of feel a little silly like admitting this, but I was, I listened back to um, maybe the first half of it a little bit more. And I was like surprised. I, I forget. <laughs> This sounds so stupid. I forget that people are listening to this stuff that we record, you know? Like, I'm just talking to you right now. I know it's a podcast. Like, cog I'm yeah. aware of that. But when I get messages yeah. from Nina Kirshner or uh, Ben Martin or Stephanie Lapido, just throwing out names, I'm, I'm like, oh, right, yeah, I forgot. The people I know and some of the people I know most intimately listen to this. So when we just kind of dump stuff, it's received. So I did feel after the afterwards a little, like, not exposed, but just like surprised. And then I was surprised I was surprised. It's like, you've been a performer and talking and sharing openly for a long time. Like what's different about this? And um, mm. maybe it's because it was birth and it involves a Vivian, this new person. And I don't know, I, I, I don't know what it is, but 
it, it, you know, to answer your question honestly, it's, I'm really glad we did it. The response has been extraordinary. The support that's come from that, the resources that have been presented, it's been meaningful for Natalie and I personally. I'm glad to the point you made at the end of the episode that Vivian will one day have it as an interesting little capture of her entrance into the world. Um, but yeah, there's also the part of me that's like, man, you, uh, you really put it out there sometimes. And uh, I guess good for you. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was a beautiful use of the platform. And, mm. you know, I am a person here. I, here I am, you know, like on a podcast. I used to be an actor, but I kind of don't like personal share for me personally. It's ter- It's terrifying. Just like you said, it's terrifying. You feel exposed. Yeah. yeah. And there are moments in time when it's so important and appropriate. And I just I felt like this it was and I felt it was really important and I felt there was like and I said it multiple times in the podcast it was an invitation into your sorrow and um, fear and that traumatic and trauma experience which was a gift you didn't have to but what a lovely use of the platform and I could tell it like it touched people and people reached out to me that I don't have any Mm. connection to this community and Mm. um Anyway, I'm just, yeah, I'm just grateful for you and Nat. Oh, thank you, Bordeaux. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a great way that people, it's also putting bleeding disorders into people's, you know, yes. awareness via this birth story. Like, they're still checking out bloodstream. Yeah. They're still hearing some discussion around blood and bleeding and blood disorders. So it's also kind of a, you know, a sneaky way to bring that part forward, too. There's something you just said, though, that um, I want to call out about, like, being an actor and not wanting to necessarily do the personal share piece because that resonates and I remember when I first came to Los Angeles uh, it wasn't to be an, a, an actor but um, but I was very aware that the actors here and it also had to do with like 2013-14 and where media was shifting and influencer culture and everybody's a brand now and everybody's a pseudo actor um, just seeing how much like people's like it's just constant like people's faces and their story and like I'm at the grocery store and now I'm doing this look at me look at me look at me and I was like this is a nightmare like I I hate this what I like about acting is I get to use all the stuff inside of me and my tool and my body to bring something else to life like I, yeah I, it's hard you know sharing about myself and then on top of it all this like look at me type of behavior so that I can be an actor not for me but I had some acting ish work this morning I want to tell you about because it relates to bleeding disorder stuff um Prove we it. literally prove it, PJL. Prove it. <laughs> <laughs> JK, JK. Uh, com. We so we were doing some shooting for the science fair, uh, the sciencefair.org. Um, and we were at this studio in, in, in Venice, and it was like the first time since I mean, we had a little shoot outdoors in November, but it was the first time we were there was a green screen psych, we're in a rented studio, we've got light, we got all the stuff. Um, Rob and Josh are there masked up. I'm on camera, so I'm, I'm not masked. Um, and it just felt like super normal. I was very happy to like, here we are, teleprompter stuff. We say things, great, I know what this is. But as soon as we started, the first time that Rob was like, okay, cool, on this next take, maybe like you start off right and take a few steps on and like you kind of look at this thing, you give me a little physical direction. Super, super, super simple. As soon, I was like, cool, man. And as soon as I moved my body to like walk in the direction that I was gonna start the movement from, mm-hmm. I had such pain in my ankle. And I was immediately aware that like, oh, I have, I have a lot of pain today. Um, and something I just don't contend with, except for when I have to be in front of a camera, when I'm when I have to be an actor, is that I protect my body and I move my body in ways that keep it safe and stable. But like lateral movement kills me. Um, you know, I was out with Russell not too long ago and just did a little bit of like literally like ten seconds of some just running with him for for a second at the dog park, and my like that night I was in such pain and. I was reminded, two two things, I was reminded in that experience with Russell on this morning that um, something that acting has always asked of me, which is a challenge, and I have to just be honest about, is the physicality. You know, there's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, you don't always see it, you know, but even some of the most still seeming films, if you're an actor, it's a lot on your feet. It's your body in different positions and weird positions for long hours. You know, you, you go up the stairs, you come down the stairs. You go up the stairs, you go down the stairs. You do a little bit of run, stop, do it again, take two, take seven. Mm. And um, this is something I've been contending with 
since I went to acting school at 17. Um, but today, because it's been a long time since I've had to do something quite like that and move my body in those ways, and because the second thing I was reminded of, I'm heavy right now, weight-wise, um, there was just a screaming reminder today of the way in which I have to be careful of my weight. And, you know, the acting stuff, performance stuff, that's all fine, controllable. I don't do much of it, and it, it's okay. But at this weight, you know, I'm, I'm about 25 pounds heavy right now, which you wouldn't necessarily know to look at me because I'm tall and I got wide shoulders and I can, quote, carry it well and it doesn't show up in my face and all this, like, garbage stuff we use to justify, like, why more Oreos. But I have 25 more pounds on my body, which means my ankles and my knees and my hips and my lower back and all of it are having to support that much more weight. And coming into today and knowing that, you know, we were going to be talking a bit about diet, wow, like... It's such, for me, it is such an overlooked part of health. And when I talk about health and when I think about my health and think about what it means to be healthy, I just so often eliminate like diet from my decision tree, to be quite honest, because I don't want to like give up the pizza and ice cream. So that's where I'm at. Um, this morning was great. I'm so excited to see like what comes of this crazy green screen science fair animated doctor and me doing a tour of the science. It's going to be very fun. But man, as soon as I had to like move a little bit for the first time, and then of course I had to move a little bit a bunch of more times, um, I was like, man, this hurts and this sucks. So that's the energy I want to bring in today, Bordeaux. <laughs> I want to bring in, this, I'm angry and sad. Wah, wah. <laughs> You're welcome. Never, no, JK, JK. I, no, I think that is a terrific segue into our conversation that we're going to have about diet and the interconnectedness through all of this. And specifically looking in the lens of bleeding disorders, it is it is such a crucial piece that um, is difficult. We have a guest with us that's going to be here for this segment what? that I can't wait to bring in. So um, we'll be back right after these messages. Today's Bloodstream episode is brought to you by our partner, Takeda. Did you know that maintaining a healthy weight through proper nutrition and exercise may decrease joint complications brought on by your bleeding disorder? I mean, yes, I know that. I just don't always practice it. So I need these kind of things to remind me as I was literally just talking about. Learn how healthy eating can help your joints and how to better manage your bleeding disorder with Takeda at bleedingdisorders.com. Ever heard of it? Takeda has been helping patients manage their bleeding disorders for over 70 years. Wherever your bleeding disorder takes you, Takeda is there to support you every mile of the journey. Again, that's bleedingdisorders.com. So Amy, you teased, we have a guest. Who's our guest? Introduce our guest. Where's the guest? Where's our guest? I'm so excited. Oh, there she is. Alexa Breer is here. <laughs> Alexa. Bloodstream listeners are very familiar, hopefully now, with Alexa. She has contributed to several of our Bleeding Disorders Awareness Month podcasts, mm -hmm. as well as some of the other projects. She is uh, a social worker. She's one of my favorite people. Welcome to the podcast, friend. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And it's so good to see you, Patrick. Thank you. It's good to see you as well. And thank you for, as Amy just said, everything you've done to help uh, expand our presence during bloodstream, uh, during bloodstream month. I mean, it really has been during bleeding disorders awareness month. So I, I appreciate you helping be a part of that fabric. <laughs> little, uh, little subconscious flip there, eh? Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah. So we want to talk a bit about diet, Amy, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Diet, diet, diet. I think, um, <laughs> why do you say it like that? <laughs> well, because I think it can be flippant. I think we can say eat healthy. I think we're, um, mm. messaged overwhelmingly that it's not a hard thing and that really beautiful people do it. And so everyone should like mm -hmm. figure it out. I think diet can be, um, there are many layers and I'm, we can get into some, but I, I think from my viewpoint, I just want to say, I think it can be a very charged, emotionally um, difficult thing. Our relationship with food can be very difficult. And um, especially when that is coupled with chronic disease, when it is um, affecting, you know, joint health, it's affecting um, your health in other areas and the, um, the despair of it, the constant energy, you know, around it, the constant energy mm. of I should eat this, I shouldn't eat that. 
Um, I just think we have a very complicated relationship with food emotionally. We can get into some other issues, but our emotional relationship to food and how it can make us feel better, how it should make us feel better, the rage that we could experience when we can't have certain things, when we're told mm-hmm. no, is is really difficult. So in terms of this hmm. conversation, I guess I just want to say that you know, as we discuss diet and how important it is for your joint health, which we all know is a true thing, no one is saying it is. We just want to be very sensitive to everyone's um, emotional, you know, reality around food because it's yeah, it's difficult. No, that's that's fair. I appreciate you saying that right at the top. Um, Alexa, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel like this can be very triggering for many of us, including myself. Um, And this whole idea of dieting and how much pressure it puts on a lot of us, especially women, Mm -hmm. uh, there's just so much pressure to fit into what's viewed as beautiful. And I think, I'll speak for myself, sometimes I think that dieting is the only way in which I can get there and look appealing right and fit in Mm. to what is beautiful so i just also want to want to put it out there dieting to me and the culture of diet can be very toxic and very um not healthy so we i also want us to keep our minds open and really think about not dieting in this box but really thinking about how can i eat healthy how can i change my habits and adapt myself so not really about like how do I cut all my carbs and I can't have this cake, but more about, you know, what are the proportions that I should be eating and how do I eat more organic foods or more vegetables? Um, because it's a struggle for, for a lot of us. Yeah, for sure. I know I, I, I definitely resonate with the, um, like literally getting more vegetables in. Like, I feel like I need the food pyramid in front of me every day to just remind me of like what I'm supposed to eat and what I'm not. And this is true in college. I introduced myself to so many new foods, mo- vegetables <laughs> mainly, um, <laughs> by getting them on pizza because there was a pizza place near where I lived sophomore year that every week did super specialty. There were these giant slices. They're like a pie by themselves. And they'd have four different to be like eggplant and, you know, blue cheese. That sounds horrible. <laughs> but there would be all kinds of like different stuff that was really novel. And since I like pizza... I was like, well, I can, all right, let me learn about eggplant via pizza. Oh, red peppers, they're on pizza? I'll have that. And so I was like, this is my introduction. However, fast forward um, (laughs) another 17 years, and that's still how I primarily take in vegetables. So I I definitely need a reminder of like what's actually healthy. And the other thing you said about diet equals beautiful, and, you know, earlier in the show we were talking about our backgrounds, um, Amy and I, in performance. And I definitely hear what you said about, especially for women, the pressure. I, I, you know, that point's heard. But as a male in performance and in mm-hmm. positions where you're up in front and people are staring at you, um, it, it, it's there too. And it's also, for me, yeah. it becomes something that's, I get so in my head about my appearance and my body and my energy and uh, it, it's so catastrophic at times. It's so crippling is the better word than than, mm. than catastrophic. Um, and yet, and I'd be interested to hear you guys kind of speak to this, and yet I don't make changes. Like, yes, I do, and they last as long as they last, but I revert, I go, I go back to like whatever, I, wherever I came from the pizza. I go back to the pizza. So I'm <laughs> curious, like how, have, have, have you guys had success with like shifting your nutrition focus in a meaningful way ever? <laughs> I mean, I definitely try. Amy's just and shaking I, her head. And I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm Amy's just absolutely her head. not. Mm-mm, mm-mm, no, no. I, I really try. And let me tell you, it's a constant struggle with my father. Imagine this. Imagine a 50-year-old Puerto Rican man that eats rice and beans and meat mm. every single day. And then he'll have like lettuce and tomatoes. And he's like, I'm eating healthy. And... It's just very, you know, from my perspective, it's very difficult because I care about his health. I care and I want him to be healthy. But in that, you know, with my dad, it's just, it's really about culture and how that plays a role in the way in Mm. which he eats and in the way in which he sees food. So, um, Mm. you know, for, for me, it's easier because I have the internet. I can easily research it. And not saying that he doesn't have access to internet, but for him it's harder. As uh, English is a second language learner, he doesn't he he doesn't really have as many resources as I have. So, you know, when I think about 
for I, I think for a lot of us, it's really easy to just pick up a phone, pick up a laptop and research, how do I eat healthier? But for others, it may not necessarily be like that. Um, there are just a lot of barriers. <laughs> and, you know, technology is just one. But there's so many barriers to trying to just change that behavior and trying to eat healthier or even know what healthy eating looks like. What are the barriers? I bet if you got, well, I was just, you're going probably where I'm going, PJ, but I bet you put 50 50 people in a room and there'll be 50 different barriers to like trying to eat well. I mean, I bet it's just so personalized. Um, Anyway, PJ, I'll ask your question because I think it was probably important. (laughs) No, it's it tag teams with what you were just saying, which is for you, Alexa, what what else comes to mind when you think about barriers in in the context of this conversation? Um, I... You know, I can't help it, but to think back to some of the families that I used to work with when I lived in New York City, I used to work with immigrant families. And I remember vividly a conversation that I had with uh, a specific family. And I started noticing that they were eating a lot of fast food. And, you know, as a social worker, very young social worker, I'm like sitting there and I'm like, well, do you know organic foods? As if they didn't know. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. But that's just not accessible in my community. We don't, we have a local mm. bodega where we get our foods, right. but everything is processed. Um, they're like, I w- we would love to have some fresh vegetables, but that's just not there. We would have to walk miles and miles and miles to get that. I just don't have the time. And also, I don't have the money mm. to afford fresh vegetables from Whole Foods. Like, we, we just right. can't, we can't do that. It's, it's, a, it's a privilege. Mm. Um, so I, I often think ab- about that. Um, and, and, you know, that really shocked me because um, we're, we're in New York City where yeah. I looked around. I was I was in a, you know, I was in grad school. So I'm with a lot of affluent students sure. that are all bragging about healthy eating and eating their kombucha, drinking kombucha mm. and their smoothies. And it's just accessible to us. Mm-hmm. But literally two blocks down, a family is telling me it's not accessible. That, I mean, that story very well uh, illustrates just how, like, what different worlds we can live in right next door to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Because to the point you made about access, like the bodega, the food desert thing, that's one issue. But then finances are another. So, you know, you could live uh, down the street from the Whole Foods, but if you don't have, you know, the $142 that you need to buy, like, milk <laughs> and a loaf of lettuce, a loaf of lettuce? What is a loaf of lettuce? <laughs> It's very clear you don't eat vegetables, and it's fine. Like it's fine. It's fine. Mm. Like we'll, mm. we'll. It's cool. We're just gonna continue to work on our goals, but it's very clear. Just, just ignore that. <laughs> lettuce, lettuce. We hear you. Lettuce. Thank you, guys. I feel the support. So, what's Kay. something we can? Let's leave people with something beyond just like the despair of. Oh, us no. being like, yeah, you can't uh, change diet. It's impossible. <laughs> Apparently, if you go to bleedingdisorders.com, so you'll get some resources from Takeda. So thank you guys for putting some resources together. But there's got to be some things we can offer people. What's something that has worked for you, at least at some point in your life? Amy, go ahead. Well, I, I was actually going to to tell you the truth. I, I, uh, my, my story with food and my uh, relatives and family stories with food is much more... Um, it's, it's like an, an emotional addiction in a way that mm-hmm. is tied to, and maybe Alexa, this is what you're saying culturally in a way of like, it's tied to mm-hmm. our family culture when good things happen, we eat. And I, and I very strongly feel that when I'm home alone and I have like a night, which hasn't happened in a while, but like when I have a night alone and it's like this perfect situation, I plan what I am going to eat like for 48 hours and this has happened more often than not I gorge myself and it's not good and I'm disappointed for seven days um and so it feels Mm. very emotionally you know there's like an emotional attachment and I Mm -hmm. haven't been able to kick that yet um Mm. but anyway so just there's that Alexa what about you what yeah I I hear that and I feel like food it just connects all of us yeah whether we speak different languages whether we you know the young the older food is really the thing that we can all kind of like agree agree on and there we should speak be the same language joy in it there's joy in it yeah there, there should yes, be of course yeah. 
Of course, yeah. I'm such a foodie. I I, I love food, yeah. but at the same time, it's just it's just so hard to balance it all and at the and be healthy and also just like. I don't know, just like have a relationship with food, just going back to what you were saying, Amy. Um, for myself, and I know I'm coming from a, pa- a place of privilege, but for myself, um, I do. I use Instagram a lot to really look at, you know, what is healthy eating? Because for a while, I will be honest, I didn't even know what that meant. I thought that if I had just like a salad with tomatoes and I don't know, cucumbers, I was fine. But it's a lot more than that. Oh boy. Um, it's more than that? <laughs> yes, Patrick, it's more than that. Get on it. it come on. Oh. Come on. <laughs> All right. That's pretty intimidating. <laughs> It, it is, you know, you're getting your grains, getting your drinking water, something as simple as I, we need, we need water. I didn't drink water I when I was water. growing up. That I, ha- I, I got water right here. Uh, check. Thank you. <laughs> That's all I needed was just a little validation. You just got, it's just one, you're doing one thing, buddy. Mm. Thanks guys. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I mean, it's just about doing our homework and going, um, and taking the extra step to really figure out what works for us, what we like, what we enjoy. Um, I have a lot of friends that have tried the, you know, the vegan way and the vegetarian way. And that's mm. an absolutely big no for me because I need <laughs> meat. I love meat. <laughs> but you can do that too. You know, you mm-hmm. can do that yeah. and do it in a really enjoyable way. There are so many resources out there. Um, so it's really just figuring out what works for you. And not letting society tell you what to do or how to do things, uh, but just really sitting down with yourself and your family and, you know, creating some goals and figuring out what is it that you want to accomplish and how. So, you know, I know we're coming up on the end of our time. I think one of the big takeaways for me from this segment, um, joking about my terrible habits and everything else aside, um, you just said it, Alexa, the relationship to food. I don't think I think about my relationship to food. I think about healthy eating. I think uh, I go, oh, that you know, ice cream, unhealthy. But I don't go deeper to think about what's my relationship to food? What's what's happening right now on an emotional level? Am I trying to connect to something? Am I trying to escape something? Am I falling into like a behavior pattern that feels familiar and maybe tied to a family thing? So to, I think what I'm going to come out of this with is making sure that I'm not just kind of siloing my thinking about food into like, man, I need more spinach. But it's like, <laughs> no, I need to know what my, like what's going on inside me related to food that causes me to like, just want to continue to eat pizza and to stay away from, you know, stuff that would be much more healthy for me. So, so I appreciate that framing. That's what I'm walking away with my, my relationship to food. I, I don't know if either of you have a, a walk away before we wrap up, but that's mine. I guess just as you were saying uh, that, Patrick, something that popped into my head and, you know, to extend this to our listeners as well, is just to give yourself patience and grace as well. Like no habit that we, you know, enter into in anything ever is like consistent for the rest of our life. It's up and down. You're going to have weeks that are terrible and you fall off the wagon and it's okay and i and i think the damage will be if we beat ourselves up for that and it's hard you know of mm-hmm. course in the moment but mm-hmm. just almost like the reality of like it's going to be up and down it's going to be an ebb and flow and right. you know that's yeah that's part of it mm-hmm. everything you just said yes and let's stop with this dieting culture and yes. really embrace healthy eating yes that's it I like it. Yes. I like it. Thank you, Alexa, for joining us. This was fun. I hope we have you back soon. I know our, our, our Bleeding Disorders Awareness Month daily episodes will be coming to an end next week as we move into April, but um, we'd love to keep having you on the podcast. So thank you, and we will talk to you again sooner than we won't. Then thank you both. Bye-bye. Amy and I will be right back after this break. Hey, everybody, before we get to our interview with Kevin, which is fantastic, just wanted to bring to your attention that NHF is holding an education series on ultra rare bleeding disorders this Saturday. That means tomorrow, if you are listening to this episode, the day that it drops, March 27th, uh, there are going to be great 
um, online webinar resources for those of you with rare ultra rare bleeding disorders, like living the rare experience, current treatments for rare bleeding disorders, and finding your own rare path. So follow up with NHF on their website for anything relating to ultra rare bleeding disorders. And now let's get to our interview with Kevin. Let's start here, Kevin. I read a post of yours on Facebook, maybe going on a month ago now, that said something to the effect of it's been about four years and change, you know, lacing up your shoes again after a 15 year plus hiatus. So let, let, let's start there. Can you give the listeners who don't know you a little bit of your background, your relation in the bleeding disorders community? And then what happened that you went from a long period, it sounds like, of not being particularly physically active to being quite physically active? Yeah. Um, so, um, just to give you a backstory, I've, uh, I've, he- I've been born with hemophilia for, uh, I think since age three, I just have a, I have a mild to moderate hemophilia. And so throughout my course of my life, I really had my, my focus on, on my relationship with hemophilia has been like, okay, I'm always going to continue to try and try and try and like, whether it's different sports and throughout my, my young life, I incor- basically, encountered many different injuries and one of those injuries is to my to my right ankle joint and even mm-hmm. you know with hemophilia it just takes one or two bleeds into that joint and kind of breaks down that cartilage and really just damage it and damages it uh pretty pretty immensely and one of the things that uh you know 20 years ago 15 years ago i you know i just couldn't couldn't run at all uh, just because of the mm-hmm. arthritic buildup and over time, it's just like, okay, this is this is very troublesome. And having that, you know, even went to the different orthopedics, and uh, and it's uh, it's like, okay, you're eventually gonna have to like, you know, fuse it, you know, put some screws into it. The orthopedics really didn't have much to uh, to offer, and I was like, okay, well, I always thought in my my mind that okay, there's always there's gonna be some kind of way that I'm going to be able to run again or be able to walk 18 holes or nine holes. And it's like, uh, then I found this, this, this brace, this exosim out in Washington that, um, that they, that's what they do is they, they actually developed this prosthetic that was made for, uh, the, the military to have more of a limb salvaging, hmm. uh, type injuries. And, and I, uh, found this brace, you know, I, and ever since like four years, you know, now I've been able to do Spartan races, be able to able, able to run. Wow! Uh, even walk eighteen holes. Um, but it walk was, eighteen holes doesn't sound anything like a Spartan race. So you started with Spartan races. You're, you've already got me on the hook. What were you doing before you were hurt? Were you doing Spartan races? You've mentioned golf now a few times. What were what were your sports before you got sidelined? So before sidelined, I mean, I'd be going mountain biking or I was huge into, you know, fitness. I, you know, did some bodybuilding competitions. So I'd, I'd always, I mean, I wasn't really a, I wasn't really a big fan of of running per se, you know, running to the fridge here and there. Um, but, but it's (laughs) kind of like the fridge. (laughs) Does that count? Cause in that case, I'm an athlete. It it does. Yeah. I mean, I run a, about a, I run a 440 to the fridge. Fair play, fair play. So multi-sport kind of guy. Definitely. I, I always like to try different things. Um, but, you know, so I looked at, you know, running as like, a yeah, it's not not that big of a deal when I'm able to run. But when you kind of take something away, it's like, it's almost like that, that dog mentality. It's like you take it away. All right. Even though it's mm-hmm. it's tough to run. I mean, it's, you know, now it's like I have a different perception on it. And it's like okay, I, I I love to run because because I couldn't for for the last 15 years, and you know I you know I developed really a a great sense of gratitude for and even just kind of being able being able to to walk, you know just because it's okay. Is running is everyone can do do that in some respect, but it's like okay, well everyone's got their own little little thing that maybe there's is a challenge to them and. And just being being able to just find this this brace, you know, I, I just have so much gratitude for for giving back and also shedding the light on on just never giving up because you know I walked into my orthopedic and showing him this this brace is just a 
a prescription for um, for the brace, and they they had no idea that this this brace even existed. I was like, I kind of sh- mm. shared this brace with them, and it's like, oh yeah, you have end stage arthritis. I kind of I kind of knew that, and I respect the orthopedics, but it's like you guys haven't done much for me except telling me that uh, you can never can never run again, and that you're gonna eventually have uh, maybe an ankle replacement, or uh, you know, or even just you know a fuse, which that's you know that's a, that's a perma limp. Right. And, uh, yeah. That's that's a last resort. Yeah, and I I kind of was like you know really used humor as my catalyst because you know yeah everyone every now and then you know i'd be you know rocking off the golf course and even like taking a taking a golf cart i I would even uh you know have to you know basically brace up prior to this exosim uh finding and i'd be walking in kind of like with a little limp and i people would be asking me oh what's you know what's you know what's hat what happened and I, I always kind yeah. of shrug it off, you know, shrug it off and say, this is, yeah, it's just my gangster limp. That's all yeah. it is. <laughs> so this brace went from like, you, you can't run, your sports are taken away from you. You have this brace and now you're competing in Spartan. Like part of me is, how, is struggling to just wrap my head around the difference that a brace has made in your life. Does that, does that make sense? Do other people find that as amazing? Amy, are you as confounded by this as I am? Well, I'm definitely interested. I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's uh, and I, I say it's a it's a brace, but made out of carbon fiber. It's uh, it's really like a boot, so it actually kind of acts as my my ankle, and it, it really has a lot of great technology. It's kind of suspension that allows me to just turn my my foot forward, and and it's uh, I mean when I when I run or even golf, I have I have no ankle pain, and it's uh. And it's really from like a hemophilia standpoint, it's like it probably prevented me from, uh, you know, saved me from many, many, uh, many bleeds. And so it's been about four years now you've been using this? Yep. Yeah, it's been uh, four years since it's actually, uh, I'd say it's going on, I would say, what is it? March 30th is in 2017 is when I when I actually uh, went out to Gig Harbor and uh, took a chance and and finally found found a way to to run. What was the catalyst for that? What was the breaking point to like try to find something different? Yeah, it's uh, I I've always been I'm always had that that mindset and that mentality of of uh, trying to find a way, and, and I was very always inventive, and so I'd be uh, I was continuing the search. This has been like a yeah like a 15 year discovery of okay how there's got to be something out there. I mean either mm-hmm. I'm gonna you know, maybe try to create this, maybe create a shoe, which is probably going to be be impossible to, but there's got to be something out there. I mean, there's so many ways people are able to achieve their goals through, you know, just by never giving up. And I, just, I kind of always thought, you know what, there's there's got to be some way that somebody's somebody's running or somebody's somebody has this brace, and I just continue to search and um, by by sheer you know fate and luck I, I found this group that developed this this exosim and it's it's actually uh one you ever hear of the hangar clinic it was i was there in uh in gig harbor for about 10 days and it just uh to get fitted and train and as soon as i put it on i i basically could could run i mean not not as uh as prolific as i am now but um i was like oh wow this is this is pretty dope. So you had a ten day. It was a ten day process. So that was a that was a process. It wasn't like they come in, you measure a few things, and you're out in an hour and a half. There was a process to get this set up for you. Yep, it's a, a big big process, and it was it kind of started with, you know, taking a little video of myself walking and and having them really critique. Okay, are you gonna are you gonna prove the, you know, are you gonna be approved for this, you know, based on, on your your gait? It's like yeah, it's. And, and whenever they do like, they do like a kind of a before and after, like how you're walking now and, you know, as far as like your, your gait and your, your pace, your cadence. And, uh, and I wasn't as bad as, um, as some of the, as other patients that, that, uh, that, that Dr. Ryan had in, in his history. But I mean, it was great to just find this, this opportunity. And, and really, uh, since I posted a lot of 
my videos. I've had I've actually having a lot of people reach out and kind of just kind of learn more about. So let me ask you this then: What I, I'm curious, the four years now that you've had this, that you've been able to be active again, uh, what have you learned about your body and about hemophilia specifically in the four years since you have been able to be active once again? I really learned about uh, patience. I mean, patience is is so critical, and uh, just because. I mean, I've been pushing myself and, and, you know, continue to push myself past my limits with this brace. And there's been times where I got, I got injured in there, you know, and, and it's like, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very good at getting hurt, but I'm also even better, you know, recovering from those injuries. Hmm. Um, so I kind of like, I kind of look at this brace as like, okay, I'm, I became my own superhero because, you know, it's not just the brace is all about that mentality and the mental side of things where it's like, I can, I can achieve these things, but also, you know, that confidence build, you know, that relentlessness and, you know, not having, you know, even like, uh, maybe in the, in the past I had, you know, maybe a little bit of depression, but I mean, it's like, I want to really just, you know, make up for lost time and then just, you know, just go continue to see what I can, what I can achieve. And, you know, it's like, okay, I did these Spartan races. Now, you know, what's, what's next? You know, how much further can I go? Yeah, that's the question. What's next? How much further can you go? What are you working on right now? Yeah, I'm more Spartan races, but, but really, uh, I, I really want to have like other people kind of dip into their, their own, you know, be able to kind of do what I'm doing. It's like, okay, well, maybe they got something in the way and they, they need to find something. Maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's a tool. Maybe it's this brace. But I think, okay, well, this, uh, I think the bleeding community, it's like, I always see like, maybe, uh, maybe this is what I see from from a a patient standpoint. It's like, okay, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of great advances, whether it's, uh, hemophilia, the drugs or, you know, you know, gene therapy. Uh, but also there's so much that's needs to be done with like, even just the lifestyle because, you know, hemophilia is, is a disorder, um, by kind of textbook definition, but I think it's hemophilia is more of like a, a lifestyle from, uh, you know, what you, what you eat to what you think to, you know, even the biggest, uh, unfortunate of the, of the joint, the joint diseases and the arthritic conditions that so many patients suffer. That's really interesting. That's a really, that that's well put. I've never quite thought about it in those terms, but the holistic way in which it affects your life, it really, you, you have to think through your entire lifestyle as a person with hemophilia. It's not enough to just think about your medicine and are you stretching? Like that's not, that's just a part of the, the total equation, right? Who have you learned from in this community? Who's inspired you? Who's helped you learn how to, you know, use your body maximally? Who comes to mind when I ask this question? Yeah, I really look at my, my values, my parents, my mom and dad, how they really you know, taught me over the years. I think that that really is, I mean, been they've been really in my corner for ever since, you know, ever since I was, I was born. And I think that's just kind of shown me, you know, not only just values, but also just being able to try and never give up. And when it comes to like hemophilia and, and my, my conditions, it's like, I mean, I never really had like, you know, I had a great support system with my, my HOC, my hemophilia outreach center. I definitely, you know, love them to death, but I also, uh, had like a little bit of a coming to Jesus moment. Cause it's like, okay, well I had to kind of grow into this hemophilia journey because it's like, again, okay. You know, almost like taking, you know, being bitter to better because hemophilia is, it's like prevented me, you know, some, from doing so many things throughout the course of my life. And then, uh, I, you know, run into, uh, you know, getting hepatitis C, uh, that just kind of built on, on, uh, on, on the, on the fumes of, uh, of my dislike for, for what I, what I have. And then I kind of like was thinking, well, yeah, I, I really felt like entitled having hemophilia. So, oh yeah, I mean, this is, and then, uh, yeah, I really just, uh, took, uh, took my own medicine and, and just kind of think, well, no, this is, this is not, hemophilia doesn't, is not going to define me. And, and it's, 
but it's, it's definitely taught me so many lessons because I really, you know, I'm very grateful for having this disease and it just, you know, having this, you know, this lifestyle, I should say, but it's, it's like, okay, this is something that I've really, uh, has kind of really fostered and developed my, my life into what it has, has been because of the, all these lessons I've, I've learned over the years. And so it's been, yeah, definitely, uh, a learning journey, uh, on so many different levels. Yeah. I appreciate your honesty and sharing that too. Um, we're coming up on our time. So my last question, my last question, then Amy may have one to follow, but my last one is I've heard three things pretty clearly. Um, one of them you just said that hemophilia isn't, isn't defining you and it's a part of you. It's not defining you. Um, you've also spoken about patience and the importance of patience and how that's something you've had to learn. And then another big P word persistence. I mean, 15 years and the way you describe it, staying, optimistic and hopeful that at some point you would find something that would change the game for you. I mean, 15 years is a long time to stay persistent. So that, that absolutely sticks out aside from those three things. Those are huge, but aside from those three things, is there anything else from your story that you would love listeners to hear or walk away from this interview with? Yeah. I would just say like really find like some of your, I mean, your superpowers because I didn't really have, even though like, I was sidelined by not being able to, you know, live that active lifestyle, I really found, really tapped into my creativity and just developed a sense of humor. I found other ways to, to really kind of push my limits and, and find other ways to, to really kind of, to really give back and, and, you know, also just kind of grow as a person. So I'd say definitely takeaways is always continue to continue to try and, and, uh, explore new new avenues because you, you just never know you might trip up on something that okay wow this is this is in, this is incredible i mean i'm i'm you know i'm not good at That's good advice i'm not good i'm not good at it now but maybe if i keep trying uh i i'm gonna i'm gonna achieve i'm gonna achieve it maybe i'll maybe i'll even be you know greater than maybe this will be my go-to i mean something that i can uh, right. you know excel at it and and grow from it Kevin, I just so enjoyed it. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think it's really inspiring. And I think it's, um, it's, it's just important to hear that to experiment with different things of what works with you and your body and your goals is really, um, it's really inspiring. And I'm sure, and you know, maybe I'll ask you, maybe this will be like a, a final question of just how has your state of mind and your mental health really shifted um, once you were able to be active again? you know, what, what has that journey been like? Yeah, it's been just, I mean, it, you know, kind of night and day, it's kind of like, mm -hmm. I mean, it just really ignited me to just, you know, not just, uh, excel and, you know, achieve so many different goals of my own, but, but also, okay, well, I really want to, you know, give back to not only the, the bleeding disorder community with mm -hmm. knowledge and, you know, and, and maybe some encouragement, but also give back to the, the military for, you know, giving me this, this opportunity. I mean, that's so, hmm. so important to, to really just not only, yeah, this is great that I can, I can do this, but I couldn't do it because, you know, because of the, the 20 or 30 other people that went through the same thing or even worse from what I, from what I do, I'm hmm. doing so. And it just, uh, so every time that I, I get out there on the trail and, and it just, uh, yeah, it just ignites me and in my mental, my mental state is just like top of the world. So I appreciate you asking me those questions. Oh, that's great. I appreciate you taking the time. I think that's really special to come out of something, um, like this and to struggle with it and to have the, the freedom within yourself to say, I want to encourage others. It's a really special place. I appreciate it. Kevin, where can people keep up with you online? Yeah, they can keep up with me online, you know, right on Instagram, Facebook. Like it's just, you know, Kevin at Kevin Lurkwin. Uh, I wanted to mention too, I, uh, I was in this uh, national songwriters contest in, uh, in 2019, Music for the Cause. It was like a bleeding disorder thing. Sure. And I, uh, so I was, uh, I did this uh, little, little uh i wrote this little little rap i didn't uh I didn't perform it It was more of a, a collaborative for efforts and I, I took second place that's hey, great congrats 
yeah, I took second place, and it was like uh, something I I wrote, and uh, I had somebody else like rap it and uh, and produce it, and it was like got yeah got got second place. What a great where experience. is it? That's Can we great. is it is it something we could play at the end of this episode? Absolutely, it's yeah, it's called uh, it's called Dreams. It's a pretty inspiring listen. So you can definitely, I could send you the, the deets. Please do. All right. Please well, we know how we're do. going out of this episode then. We're going to be going out on dreams. Um, Kevin Lurkwin, you can keep up with him online. There's links in the program notes or look up at Kevin Lurkwin on social. Thanks for the time today. And we'll have to have you back to talk about one of these other elements of your very interesting life, Kevin. All right. Appreciate it, Patrick. Thanks, Amy. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us and sharing your story. And stick around in just a minute. We're going to play the song that he was talking about, the second place finisher in the uh, Music for the Cause competition. So stick around. But Amy, first, tell us what's going on with Bloodstream next week. Hey, join us next week. We've got great guests. We're coming in with some good stuff. So anyway, stick around for next week. We're excited about it. (laughs) That was perfect. I love it. Um, You Remember to subscribe to us, share it. You know the drill, bloodstreammedia.com. Tell a friend. We're on Instagram. Amy loves LinkedIn. I'm your host, Patrick James Lynch. And I am that other host, Amy Board. Until next time, take self-care of yourself and enjoy the song. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. This room filled with dreamers, believers, high achievers. Your dreams have the potential to take you around the world. Anywhere in the world. Hey, this room filled with dreamers, believers. High achievers, your dreams have the potential to take you around the world, anywhere in the world. Uh, if your passion is fashion, or maybe your sport on the court, it start with your ideas and thoughts. Get a plan, execute what you can. You gotta take action, but that's only a fraction. Do your thing, let them know what happened. Stay focused, turn it into a passion. Uh, Give you your all, get back up if you ever fall. Most of all, keep pushing. Remain humble and listen. Gain that knowledge, go to college. Handle your business, go get it popping. Head to the sky, feet on the ground. Your time coming any moment now. We all have a choice, so give yourself that voice. A voice that only you can hear. A voice that eliminates the fear. Speak loud and clear, let the world know you're here. I do believe, I will achieve, I do believe, I will achieve Your future wealth is determined by your future self, let's get it This room filled with dreamers, believers, high achievers Your dreams have the potential to take you around the world Anywhere in the world This room filled with dreamers, believers High achievers, your dreams have the potential to take you around the world, anywhere in the world.